Everybody just take a breath. Oh man, what a war we just witnessed between the Sacramento Kings and Orlando Magic here inside the Golden One Center in a game that had everything, a franchise record shooting performance, a monster triple-double, flagrant fouls, and even a near NBA referee screw job. We're breaking it all down as the Kings defeat the Magic in double overtime, 138 to 135, right here on Locked on Kings. You are Locked on Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time, time for another episode of Locked on Kings. Hello and welcome into Locked On Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all season long. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use promo code Locked On for $20 off your first purchase. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I'm a Sacramento sports anchor and reporter for ABC 10 News, and games like this are what we all live for as sports fans, right? Even if, now easy for me to say after the Sacramento Kings have actually won, but even if the Kings had found a way to lose this game, sure we would have been disappointed, and I promise you I would have been a lot more pissed off about something that I'm going to talk about here in just a second than I am right now, although I'm still pretty hot about it. It's, it has to do with the NBA officials in this game and just a terrible missed call at the end of the game. But we'll get to that in just a second. Even if the Magic found a way to win this game, I still would have had to just sit back and appreciate the basketball game that we just watched. It's a game that's not as good as the insane instant classic, one of the greatest NBA regular season games of all time that we saw uh, the Kings putting up 175 points to defeat the Los Angeles Clippers uh, in LA last season. It wasn't quite on that level, but it was nice to have an absolute war like this going back and forth all night long on the second night of a back-to-back -back for both these teams. Hey, the second night of a back-to-back -back curse is finally over for the Kings and to have it here inside the Golden One Center in front of the best fans in the world that bring that energy night in and night out. They were all treated to an absolute phenomenal game. And I sincerely hope that a vast majority of the people that were here watching this game tonight were also here last night watching that terrible game that we saw between the Kings and the Charlotte Hornets. I told you after that game, in just the most Kings slash Kings way possible. Of course, it was going to take the Kings losing an absolute trap game like that on the first night of a back-to-back -to, -back to finally win on the second night of a back-to-back. -back. Well, the Kings pulled it off. Thank God the curse is over. Now, there's certainly a lot from this game that the Sacramento Kings are not going to be happy about, right? Certainly things that they have to clean up. But I'll tell you, in some ways, this feels like a special team-defining win. Not as much, again, as last year's uh, game in, in Los Angeles against the Clippers did, but this is one of those games where the Kings have kind of been up and down as of late. They had over a week span losing in, in blowout fashion to a bad Portland Trail Blazers team, losing to the Charlotte Hornets last night. I think it feels good for everybody, especially the Kings players and coaching staff, to be in a hard-fought battle like this and to come out victorious. Like, it was a phenomenal basketball game, an absolute war, 
and Sacramento comes out on the right side of it, even though they faced adversity multiple times over the course of this game. So I'm not going to say that this is the game that's going to turn the Sacramento Kings season around as if the Kings being seven games over 520 and 13 at this point, as if they need to turn it around from that strong of a start through 33 games. But you get my gist, right? I'm not saying that the Kings are now all of a sudden going to turn into that great team and title contender that they want to be after a win like this. But this seems like one of those wins that just kind of puts wind in your sails a little bit. As exhausted as we are watching this game, and I promise you as exhausted as those Kings players are uh, in the locker room tonight, this is one of those games that probably recharges the batteries a little bit. We'll get them fired up to get up tomorrow morning, go to practice, go to film, and, and, and get ready for still so much of the season to go. There's so much to talk about from tonight's game. Of course, the Orlando Magic have a franchise shooting night. They average 10 three-pointers per game. Like They are the second worst team in the league in three-point shooting percentage. This is not a team that beats you from the perimeter. They typically cram it down your throat inside. Paolo Bancaro, who is unbelievable tonight, 43 points, 6 of 9 from three-point range. Not to mention Franz Wagner, who got off to a good start. Unfortunately, he injured his ankle in the first half, a sprained right ankle, so he was out for the remainder of the game. Who knows how much differently this game would have been had Wagner played. He's one of my favorite players in this league to watch, so I was really disappointed to see him go down, and I wish him an absolute speed recovery would love to see him back because this magic team is just fun period but they don't beat you from the perimeter right they they, they play good old-fashioned hard nose get in the paint attack the rim basketball and they also like to play defense well of course against the sacramento kings here inside the golden one center where it seems like every freaking team in the world comes in and shoots well against the kings the magic made 25 threes, which I believe is a franchise record. They shot 56.8% from beyond the arc, 25 of 44. Of freaking course they did. Now, the Kings were able to overcome it, thank goodness. But we're all sitting here in the media section shaking our head going like, again, this is just one of those Kings explanations. These things just happen against the Kings. You lose to a shorthanded Charlotte team without LaMelo Ball? Yeah, of course the Kings do. The Kings get beat by an Orlando Magic team uh, that is normally terrible shooting the basketball but has a massive shooting night? Yeah, of course it's the Kings that end up on the wrong side of that luck. Well, thankfully, again, it didn't, didn't kill the Kings tonight. It nearly did. We got to talk about Malik Monk's amazing night, DeMondis Sabonis' monster triple-double, a historic triple-double, really, if we're talking about it. Also want to give some love to Keegan Murray, give some love to, to Trey Lyles and Harrison Barnes. Have to talk about De'Aaron Fox and his rough night. There's so much from this game that I have to get to, and you should see my notes here. It's an absolute jumble of scribbles and nonsense. But I'm going to break kind of a personal rule of mine here. I don't like great basketball games to be overshadowed by conversation about the referees or about a certain player doing something wrong or an altercation or anything like that. I don't like when that stuff takes away from the basketball game. So you know I'm breaking a rule and you know something's bothering me enough if I'm breaking a rule on a game like this where the Sacramento Kings won. But the NBA officials tonight, I mean, they were, they were poor for a lot of this game. But in the first overtime period for Paolo Bancaro to lose the ball by himself 
it goes out of bounds, and they call it off of, I think, Juan Toscano-Anderson, who is behind him on the play, who clearly does not touch the ball. You look at the replays, nobody touches the ball. Paolo just loses it, just throws it out of bounds. I think he was probably trying to transition into going for a layup, and he just loses the ball off his fingers and out of bounds. They call it off of the Sacramento Kings. A crucial call with seconds left in this game with the Orlando Magic trailing by two. And you don't review it. Now, some of you, especially Orlando Magic fans who are listening and are watching, are not going to believe this, but I I genuinely feel this way. If it were the Kings that got the benefit of that call, I still would be saying the same thing because the NBA is so focused and has been so transparent in recent years about they want to get calls right implementing the coach's challenge so that coaches can change calls that they believe are incorrect. And the, 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 the implementation of the NBA Replay Center, which delays games every time they have to go to these reviews, right? All this that the NBA has added in order to take out as much of the human error element as possible. Now, I know you're never going to get rid of all of it, right? Referees are going to make mistakes. And I have always tried to be respectful and understanding of the, res- the, the mistakes that referees make. Look, Heat of the moment, massive speed of a fast break at the NBA level. Like, maybe you didn't see that the ball just came off the hands of Paolo Bancaro. But with seconds remaining in an overtime game, a crucial call that could decide a game like that, that's what replay review is there for in the first place. So the fact that not just the NBA officiating crew who got that call wrong, I'm giving them more grace than I'm giving the NBA and the review center in in, in New Jersey or whatever. Like, they are the ones that I'm pissed off at. You have to look at that play because it resulted in Paolo Bancaro off the inbound getting a game-tying bucket that eventually sent us into double overtime. Had the Kings lost this game, they would have had a very legitimate gripe against the league. I don't know if they would have gone as far as to protest this game or anything like that because, again, mistakes happen in close games all the time. I I guarantee you the last two-minute report if there will be a last two, because is there such thing as a last 12-minute report, two five-minute overtime periods in the final two minutes of the fourth quarter? I have no idea. The last two-minute report might come out and, and, and confirm that that ball was off of Palo Bancaro. It doesn't matter at this point, but you have to review that call. You have to get that call right. And again, believe me if you want to or don't believe me if you want to. I would be saying the same thing if it was off of Malik Monk in that situation and the Kings benefited from it. You have to get that call right. Or at the very least, you have to look at it, look at all angles of the millions of cameras, not really, but you know what I mean, tons of cameras all over the Golden 1 Center with tons of angles of that play. If you look at it from all those angles and and the replay center decides there's not enough definitive evidence to overturn it, I'll be pissed off and I'll disagree with you, but at least you looked at it. I don't know what the hell you're looking at at that point because, again, if you looked at the replay, it obviously just came off of Paolo Bancaro's hands and went out of bounds. But at least you would have done your somewhat due diligence of looking at a crucial play at the end of the game. Like, at times, I feel like they over-review things at the end of games. Nope, tonight it was like, oh, it's out of bounds off of the Sacramento Kings. There's a couple seconds left. Crucial call at the end of the game. Play on made absolutely no sense. I think it was an absolute terrible look, an embarrassment for the NBA, truly. And thankfully, thankfully, it didn't come back to, like, I would have felt bad for the Magic because had they won this game, then 
that would have been certainly a massive talking point here in Sacramento. I think it would have been a massive talking point in NBA channels and on NBA talk shows and things like that because a lot of people were watching this game on NBA TV tonight, and I'm glad they were because this was two fun teams going at it. I would have felt bad for the Magic because this win, their win would have kind of been marred a little bit like uh, by this. Thankfully, the Kings won so that after I'm yelling, done yelling at my camera here about it, we can move on from it and forget that it happened. But I had to talk about it because I thought it was absolutely terrible by NBA officials, the replay center, the review system, whatever. If you're trying to get calls right, if that system is in place, you have to look at that play there. Today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is brought to you by FanDuel. Believe it or not, the NFL regular season is almost over. NFL playoffs are right around the corner, but there's still time to get in on the action at FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Check this out. Right now, new customers get $150 worth of bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. All you have to do is invest $5 of your own money. Pick the Kings to win or Kings to lose on a money line, whatever it is. An NFL game does not matter, a, a, a prop bet, whatever. Put $5 down. You win, great, you're already in the green. You lose, it doesn't matter because here's $150 in bonus bets for you to have fun on FanDuel, betting on things like live saving game parlays. You can find bets on their new Explore tab. You can make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, which is the best way to find popular parlays out there, and so many more ways to play, so many amazing ways for you to bet on the Sacramento Kings, like Malik Monk, who was sensational tonight, winning sixth man of the year, although I think it's finally time to talk about Malik actually being a starter. We'll get to that later on in the podcast. So many ways for you to play on FanDuel, so go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel official partner of the NFL. All right, enough of me screaming about the officials and taking away from the players. Let's talk about the players that deserve love. And we're starting, of course, with Malik Monk. The night after Malik is essentially benched in the first half and has a verbal altercation. Altercation seems like too strong of a word, but but he was caught going back and forth with Mike Brown, which he actually addressed after the game and said that's nothing. They're both competitors. It's 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 nothing. It's water under the bridge type thing. So no, nothing that we're going to make a, a big deal about. But the night after he's benched and only plays five minutes in the first half and the Kings lose that game and he has an overall rough night, Malik comes out, explodes for, I think, five three-pointers in the second quarter alone when the Kings outscored the Magic 40-25 to in the second quarter. And for the remainder of the game, he was the hot hand that absolutely at times carried the Sacramento Kings to this victory. 37 points, which is a season high. 12 of 20 shooting from the field. 7 of 13 from three-point range. Oh, and he wasn't just scoring the basketball. No, no, no. Malik Monk was also getting his teammates involved. He had some great two-man game uh, moments tonight with DeMondis Sabonis. He had nine assists also two steals played 46 minutes off the bench which is the most of any Kings player tonight Malik Monk is a starter in every single way except for actually starting and having the title like maybe his minutes aren't necessarily at starter minutes although they freaking should be with how important he is to this Kings team but I mean Tonight, Malik was the best player on the court, and it wasn't close. De'Aaron Fox was completely deferring to Malik Monk for most of this game, and we're going to talk about Fox and his struggles in a little bit. Demontis Sabonis had a massive night, but still, Demontis Sabonis was running through Malik and 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 uh, trying to make uh, or give Malik the ball or, or get Malik involved as much as possible. Right? 
this is who Malik is. You could argue, and I don't even know if it's an argument anymore, I think Malik's been the second best player on the Sacramento Kings this season. He is just essential to the Kings. Now, we've talked about a lot over the last year and a half or however long it's been that Malik has been here in Sacramento. The conversation has come up time and time and time again about Malik Monk should be the starter. Malik Monk is essential to the Sacramento Kings' second unit. Mike Brown intentionally doesn't start Malik and starts Kevin Herter or Chris Duarte or whoever it may be over Malik because of what Malik provides the second unit. And this is stuff that I've defended, right? And I've agreed with Mike's decision for a lot of that. And for the most part, still, I mean, look, the Kings are seven games over 500. It's working that way with Malik coming off the bench. Malik is essential to that second unit. If De'Aaron Fox is not running the offense, Malik Monk is the guy doing it, right? Malik is just as much of uh, at times of the engine for this Kings team as De'Aaron is. And at times he has to take on the vast majority of that leadership role like tonight when Fox isn't having his best game. You know, I think it's time. Start Malik Monk. That does not mean that you can't continue to stagger your lineups so that when Fox is out of the game, Malik is in the game, and when uh, and when Malik needs his rest, De'Aaron Fox is in the game, but of course the two are on the floor together at the same time to close games and during stretches of the games. Like You can still find a way to stagger your rotations, and if you're really concerned with that second unit without having Malik Monk there to lead them, still involve Malik Monk in that second unit in those rotations. Like Malik is the best shooting guard on this roster. He's the second best guard, period, on this roster. He is the man in that spot. Kevin Herter ain't cutting it. Chris Duarte had a, a couple of good games after being moved into the starting lineup tonight. Got into foul trouble early. Got a big fat goose egg tonight. Didn't score. Barely played. Like, Chris Duarte didn't cut it tonight. And let's be honest here. Kevin Herter... Chris Duarte, Keon Ellis, anybody else that you want to start at that two spot next to De'Aaron Fox, they can't hold a candle to what Malik Monk does for this team and how important Malik Monk is to this team. Now, if you start Malik Monk for two weeks and it just muddies up the rotation and you don't like the impact that it has on your second unit, okay, you've been proven right, Mike, go back to it. Go back to Malik coming off the bench and, and make let Malik understand that it's not a demotion. It's, hey, you're so important as a six-man like we initially thought that we're going to go back to this and we're going to make it work that way. But I'll go back to something that I talked about earlier with potential upcoming negotiations for Malik Monk in free agency. I, I'll say it again. The Kings cannot afford to lose Malik Monk in free agency. And if Malik comes to the table with the demands that he's going to be a starter, damn it, do it yesterday. What I mean by that is start Malik Monk now. Give him what he freaking wants. Let him play next to his his best friend in De'Aaron Fox. Let that Kentucky starting lineup come here to Sacramento. Start Malik at this point. Like, I'm, I'm fully in. I'm off of the defending Mike Brown's decision train. And again, I don't think it needed to be defended. I just understood it and agreed with it. I don't agree with it anymore. Right, you're you're having, you're you're searching. Mike is clearly searching for different lineups, and he's searching for someone to fill this starting two guard spot. And I understand that Chris Duarte probably gives you a little more defensively than Malik Monk does. But let's not get cute about it anymore. Malik Monk is the second best guard on this roster. Play him as a starter. Play him starter minutes, 34, 35 minutes a night. 
play him. And if he's having bad defensive nights or nights where he's struggling, then bump him back down to the mid to upper 20s and give Duarte a little more time or whoever you need to help him uh, impact the defense in a positive way. Start Malik Monk, man. Stop messing around. Start Malik Monk. Demonda Sabonis tonight. I'll tell you here loud and clear because you're not going to hear it on the ringer. You're not going to hear it maybe from Bleacher Report. I don't know. Some people are talking about it. Thank God. More people should be. 22 points, 8 of 14 from the field, 23 rebounds, 12 assists, 2 steals, and 1 block to go along with it. Sabonis only need, needed 23 minutes again to collect his 7th triple-double of the season. Second only to, guess who? Nikola Jokic. Nobody has had a triple-double with these kind of numbers in 40-plus years. The last player to put up this kind of stat line that DeMondis Sabonis put up tonight, Wilt Chamberlain. What are we doing here? Why is there conversation? Conversation that I had tonight inside this arena, down during dinner at media, and the conversation went on so long that, it, that media members, some media members were leaving the table out of freaking annoyance. I'm not going to name any names of who I was having a conversation with because they're my good friends. They bring up great points. There are valid concerns about DeMontis Sabonis, certainly with paying him the money that the Kings paid him and how he performed in the playoffs. So po good points about Sabonis and his shortcomings and the concerns about Sabonis are valid, right? But why is Sabonis talked about so negatively outside of this city so freaking often? And even in this city sometimes. This man does what almost nobody else can do. And I say almost because the guys that are doing what he's doing are multi-time MVPs or guys that haven't played in 40-plus years. Guys that, when you talk about the legacy of Wilt Chamberlain, a lot of what people talk about is, well, Wilt Chamberlain played against a bunch of scrubs. That's why you put up numbers like this. DeMondis Sabonis is playing against the best crop of talent the NBA's ever seen. And he's putting up monster, triple, double numbers like this. He's a double-double machine. You can write it in permanent ink on a nightly basis. He's an absolute vacuum on the boards. He can set anybody up and get anybody the ball where they want it. Plus, when he needs to score around the rim, he can do so. Uh, again, I know there are shortcomings with Sabonis. I know there are concerns about teams sagging off him in the playoffs and giving him that mid-range jumper that he's been hesitant to take. I know there are concerns about paying DeMond to Sabonis the amount of money that the Kings paid him for not being a massive, like, go-to offensive option center, even though at times during the regular season, he's shown to be that. I know playoffs and regular season are completely different beasts, and the Kings are now in the realm of regular season matters less, playoffs finally matter for this Kings organization. I understand that completely, and I know that Mike Brown is trying to get this team to actually win a title. So that stuff is important, and that context is important. But that does not mean we disregard everything this man accomplishes and does consistently during the NBA regular season, discredit it, and chalk it up to, I have to see it when he does it in the playoffs, but rip the man to shreds based off of one playoff series where, yes, he struggled, but he still put up numbers in a series where two out of the Kings' five starters didn't do anything, and the third in Keegan Murray took three games to get going, and still the Sacramento Kings took the Golden State Warriors to a best-of-seven series. With DeMontis Sabonis having a broken hand, and De'Aaron Fox having a hand injury. 
What are we doing here? Can we just shut up about that and celebrate what DeMontis Sabonis is doing, the numbers that he's putting up, and recognize it for, for, what, for what it is? Dominance from one of the best centers in the league. Doing things that haven't been done since Wilt freaking Chamberlain 40 years ago. But let's see what he does in the playoffs. I'm not going to give him any credit until he does something in the playoffs. Okay, fine. That's how you want to be. Go be miserable over there. I'm going to enjoy from a basketball standpoint, and you're damn right from a Kings standpoint, I'm going to enjoy what DeMondis Sabonis is doing. I'm also really going to enjoy what Keegan Murray is doing. 28 points tonight, a nice bounce-back game after he was really bad. The Kings' supporting cast in general was really bad last night against Charlotte. Keegan had 10 points in the first quarter. He got going early, but ultimately finished the game with 28 points, 13 of 21 from the field, 2 of 6 from three-point range. Those two three-pointers were massive for Sacramento. Also had 12 rebounds. He, both of those threes were massive. One was off of an offensive rebound in double overtime. Malik Monk missed a three. Long rebound comes out. Keegan collects it, gives it to De'Aaron Fox. De'Aaron Fox finds Keegan again on the wing. De Keegan buries a wide-open three. Look, we want Keegan to show more as that third scoring option, right? I talked about it literally last night on the podcast last night. Maybe the Kings are, are asking too much of Keegan or Keegan's not quite ready in just his second year to be that third go-to scorer or even second go-to scorer that the Sacramento Kings team needs or the, the, the third piece of a big three in Sacramento. Maybe it's still a little too early to ask Keegan of that. He's not quite ready for it. Well, Tonight, Malik was definitely the go-to scorer for the Kings, and Sabonis was more of a go-to scorer than Keegan Murray was. But Keegan hit massive, uh, massively impactful buckets. He got the Kings' offense going with a great first quarter, scoring 10 points in that first quarter. And on top of all of that, when the, when the offense was mainly Malik and a little bit of Sabonis, and, and they were doing a majority of the scoring, Keegan didn't just sit there on the perimeter and wait and watch and stay there for spacing. He crashed the glass, got big defensive and offensive rebounds. This is a sensational game tonight from Keegan Murray. This is winning basketball from a winning player that I've been telling you that Keegan Murray is. Love to see this tonight from Keegan. Absolutely love to see it. Now, De'Aaron Fox. Fox tonight, one of his worst games in a long time. 15 points, 6 of 22 from the field, 0 of 5 from three-point range, 7 assists. Only two things I want to say about this. Number one, a positive. I I'm very happy to see the Kings find a way to overcome and win this game where it wasn't just number five's got us. You know what? We fought hard. This game's close. Fox, finish it off for us. Take it the rest of the way. And De'Aaron tried. He hit a couple of good buckets, I think, in, in, in second overtime. But he was missing. He was cold. He wasn't hitting in the fourth quarter. He wasn't hitting for basically this entire game. He just didn't look like himself. It wasn't his night. And that's okay. De'Aaron Fox is not going to be a superstar 82 games a year. Right? He's going to have bad nights. So for the Kings to be able to overcome a bad night, for the Kings to be able to win a game like this where De'Aaron isn't playing like an MVP and playing like a superstar, I promise you, two years ago, maybe even last season, this is a game that the Kings lose because De'Aaron is not playing well enough. It doesn't give Fox a pass, and I promise you Fox is not making excuses for himself. Fox is very thankful to Monk and to Sabonis, and to Keegan, and to everybody for stepping up and helping the Kings close out this victory. 100% he is. I know for a fact he is. But I would like to see De'Aaron attack the basket a little bit more. 
he didn't hit a three-pointer tonight. To be fair, only five of his attempts, of his 22 attempts, were from three-point range. Most of his attempts were from, from the mid-range. I'm so glad that De'Aaron has unlocked that three-point shot, and it looks great, right? And we've gushed about it time and time again over the course of the season, and rightfully so. But De'Aaron is so good and so lethal at getting to the basket, and at times when he's struggling to shoot the basketball like tonight, I would love to see him just try to get to the line. Now, granted, he might go and get whacked, and, and he doesn't get a foul call because for some reason De'Aaron is like one of the only stars in this league that doesn't consistently get those calls. No idea why. But I would have liked to see Fox attack the basket a little bit more than he did tonight. I have some honorable mention love to, 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 to give to uh, Trey Lyles and Harrison Barnes. I also do want to talk a little bit about something that Mike Brown did tonight in tonight's game that I did not like. I'll get to that here in just a second. Today's episode of the Long Don Kings podcast is brought to you by Game Time. If you went to this game tonight, I hope you bought your tickets on Game Time because not only were you treated to double overtime, which is double free basketball, not only were you treated to a phenomenal game between the Kings and the Orlando Magic, chances are you paid as good of a price as you could possibly play to be, or rather pay to be here inside the Golden One Center. Game Time provides some of the best deals, especially last-minute flash deals that you're going to find anywhere. Look, buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful, and it's not just sporting events. could be concerts, could be comedy shows, theatrical productions, plays, whatever it is. Buying tickets should not be stressful. And not only does Game Time make it easy for you to find the tickets to the events that you want, show you exactly what your view is going to be with the most accurate, like in arena or in stadium images of of the stage or the field from where you're going to be sitting. Not only all that, if you don't know if you're going to be able to attend an event until last minute, Price Picks actually even rewards you with deals that, again, you're not going to find anywhere else. Price Picks, or excuse me, Game Time is just that special. It, there's so many different ways for you to save money by getting to the games and getting to the events that you want to go to. They have tickets or deals on tickets right up to the start of the event. They're exclusive flash, uh, flash deals. They have zone deals where you pick the section and Game Time picks the seats for you for big time savings. And the Game Time guarantee means that you'll always get the best price if you find tickets in the same section and row for less. Game Time will credit you not 100% of the difference. 110% of the difference. That's how confident they are in you finding the best deal and where you are sitting. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest prices, guaranteed. Honorable mentions for Trey Lyles and Harrison Barnes. Trey Lyles tonight had a, it's not the game-winning, although maybe it should have been, he had a big charge at the end of the first overtime period, drew it on Paolo Bancaro. And I, I posted the clip on social media. It's on my Twitter, at Matt George Sack. Go and check it out because his face afterwards, he just kind of has this smug little smile and he looks over towards the Kings bench. It's like, yeah, I put my body on the line. I drew that. I made that big defensive play. You know how big of a fan I am of Trey Lyles. Yes, I can call myself a Trey Bay for sure. Uh, he had 10 points tonight, uh, hit a hit a couple of threes. Like He didn't do anything magnificently special, but he's just a really, really solid, impactful player. And then Harrison Barnes tonight, after he did literally nothing, and we ripped him to shreds here on Locked on Kings. I was listening to Sacramento Sports Talk Radio. He was being ripped to shreds today after his performance last night against the Charlotte Hornets. He was not the only guy, but he certainly was being talked about a lot. Tonight, 17 points, an uber-efficient 5 of 9 from the field, 4 of 6 from 3-point range, 3 rebounds, 1 assist, 1 steal, didn't turn the ball over. Like 
Harrison was solid tonight. Really, really good. And this is the Harrison Barnes that the Sacramento Kings know that he can be. And if he was just this a little more consistently than he was the disappearing act that he has been, the Kings would be in so much better shape. And I promise you, Kings fans, Kings media members, the Kings themselves would not be as frustrated with 40 as they have been. But I got to give him his flowers, especially after I, I criticize him when he has his bad games. Harrison Barnes was really, really good tonight. I love Mike Brown. You know I love Mike Brown. Big fan of Mike Brown. Most of the time, I just... If Mike says it, I believe it, right? I don't blindly follow him all the time, but for the most part, like, Mike has completely earned my trust with this Kings team. Mike has made a decision in these last couple of games. He's done it twice now, two games in a row, and I do not like it. When De'Aaron Fox and Malik Monk are not on the floor at the same time, don't like it. And tonight, I thought it was going to be the difference in the Kings actually losing this game again. The Kings collapsed in their loss last night to the Charlotte Hornets in the fourth quarter. The Kings nearly collapsed in the fourth quarter tonight. And I can tell you the moment that it started. This game was really close. It was a one-point game. It was back and forth. Fox and, and, and Munker on the floor together. Mike subs them both out with the Kings up by one with like nine minutes remaining or whatever. And I know both of them, especially Malik, have played heavy, heavy minutes in the second half. I know he wants to give them as much rest as possible to get them ready for the final few minutes of the game and, of course, what would turn into two overtime periods. But as soon as he subbed those two out, I think Bancaro hit a three to put the Magic up by two. By the way, there were 21 or 24 lead changes in this game, and 17 times this game was tied. That's how awesome this game was. The Kings actually had a 16-point lead at one point, believe it or not. The Magic went on an 8-0 run to build a seven-point lead, which was their largest lead of the game after that decision by Mike to sub both those guys out. Mike goes back to Malik Monk, keeps Fox on the bench, but goes back to Malik Monk. Malik comes in, and he ends that run with a layup and, I believe, an and one. I just, I know you want to try and get those guys some rest, and I know it wasn't De'Aaron's night, but you ride with De'Aaron Fox even if he's struggling. Have one of the two of those guys on the floor at all times. Maybe it's being nitpicky with Mike. Ultimately, the Kings won. Mike does more great than he does bad, although I've seen more Kings fans talking about and expressing frustration with Mike and and kind of his tinkering a little bit. I want to have a a conversation that's coming up in a very... uh, uh, It's coming up on Locked on Kings very soon. I want to have a conversation about Sasha Vizenkov in particular because I don't know why the Kings can't find a way to, to, to... implement the EuroLeague MVP and a bona fide sharpshooter in Sasha into their team and into their rotation. I don't know why he's not playing. We'll talk about that at at length in in the near future. But I talked to Mike before the game, and I asked Mike about Sasha. And and, and one of the things he said in that answer, amongst all the classic, like, he's got to stay ready and his opportunity will come, is, is basically he said something along the lines of, like, he or nobody separated themselves from the pack. And when I think of the pack, I think of, like, the ninth man on the rotation or tenth man on the rotation through, like, 13th or 14th. That pack of guys that he's looking for somebody to step up and and stand apart so that they can get consistent playing time. And he says, right now, nobody's doing that. I think that's maybe a bigger problem. Mike is searching with his lineups right now a little bit too much, I think. And the decision to bring Monk and Fox out of the game at the same time I think was just trying to get a little too cute with minutes and rest and things like that when he should have just let him play out right but in the end maybe he was right because he needed Monk to play 
46 minutes tonight. He needed Fox to play 44 minutes tonight. He needed Sabonis to play 46 minutes tonight and uh, uh, or 45 and a half minutes tonight. Keegan to play damn near 46 minutes tonight. So what the hell do I know? You know what? Trust Mike Brown. Don't listen to a talking head like me. Well, regardless, I appreciate you supporting this podcast and this talking head. Uh, it, it was a pleasure to, to have you, of course, here on another episode of Locked on Kings. A pleasure to be able to talk with so many of you here inside of the Golden One Center. Got to meet so many of you tonight. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for coming up, for saying hi to all of you that support from near or far. Does not matter. I appreciate it. Can't tell you and can't express enough how much it means to me. Thank you for that support. I hope that a podcast like tonight after a crazy game like this, even though I know it's coming out late tonight, I appreciate you staying up for it or watching it the following morning or listening to it whenever you're listening to it. That support just means the world. Uh, And for uh, you to trust myself and trust Locked on Kings to have that entertainment or to have that uh, commentary or whatever it is you're looking for from this podcast I hope I continue to deliver that for you throughout 2024 and in the games to come the Kings homestand continues two more games this week uh, at home before a long road trip coming up so of course we'll have all the coverage for you here on Locked on Kings on game nights in between game nights lots of stuff coming so make sure you keep an eye out for that until then my name is Matt George you've been listening to the Locked on Kings podcast part of the Locked on Podcast Network